Hello and welcome to this week's episode of History Bluffs. It's where truth is stranger than fiction. I want to welcome to the show, it's your host, it's Alan! Hello! Welcome to yet another episode of History Bluffs. I am your host, Alan, and that disembodied voice you heard was our tech, Adam. How are you, Adam? Doing okay. How are you doing, Alan? All it's right. good out here in Techland. It's good out here as well, live streaming on several services, that being YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. And right. you can also see us on social media like TikTok and Instagram, right? That's true. That's true. That is That's true. true. We have presences out there. That's right. Now, we also have some historians here. Let's bring out a couple of our historians. Who do we have here, Adam? All right. What we have is uh, let's welcome Melissa to the stage. Come on in, Melissa. Hello, Melissa. Hello. Melissa, I want a brief uh, summary of your... Uh, how about a clever quip about your topic right now? Ooh, okay. So this story is about a battery as well as an army battery. Oh, okay. And we've got another historian, Chris. Where are you, Chris? Oh, no, I'm here. There's the guy. Hi, hi. Chris, give us your blurb about your topic. Uh, well, it's uh, it'll it'll sh it's going to be shocking to hear this, but it's a heart touching story. Oh, interesting. Uh, I get the shocking. Do you know why that is a funny thing? It's because we have our very our our topic for today is electric. If you didn't notice from the intro screen. Yes, electric is our topic today. And we've got one more historian joining us and she'll be here any moment. Right, Adam? That's right. All that's, right. That's so we're we're just waiting on our historian. But before she joins us. I'm going to explain the rules to you, the audience, both watching and listening. Adam, go ahead and bring up the list of rules up right now. Oh, let's do it. It's a game show, folks. It's a game show about history, and we have some rules. If you can't see because you're an audio listener, Alan's going to read them to you. Historians are inspired by the topic, and the true stories will, of course, be factual. But the bluff story will be fictional. Now... And that's the name of the whole game, isn't it? Yes, but the, here's the thing. The bluff can use some facts, but the thing is the crux, the heart, the essence of the story will be uh, a bluff, a fictional. And by the way, those of you that are watching or listening live, I don't know how you're listening live because we don't stream audio, but if you're watching <laughs> us on one of our several video streams, you're not allowed to help our historians. We don't want you Googling the topic. And by the way, that's cheating and cheaters never prosper. Right, Adam? That's right. They do not. None of that from the audience. I At least tell you that's what. what we learned in grade school. Now, that one more thing. We've <laughs> also got time limits. We've got three rounds. The first round is 75 seconds. The second round will be 60 seconds. And then finally, round three will only be 40 five seconds and at the end we will determine who is the true armchair historian and who is the history bluff aha uh -huh. okay there you go oh, okay there's the, the audience i had to kick them just figured out <laughs> sometimes i gotta i have a hot <laughs> poker stick i this. was mentioning the title of the show they had no reaction until <laughs> just then all right so we're gonna, 
<laughs> We're still waiting on our historian. Yes. Uh, should we proceed with uh, our first story, or you know, we... you know, we could just go right into round one, and I've got faith that uh, our historian number three is going to materialize on the internet. I have a if feeling the too. Works. Well, during that time, instead of just sitting around and waiting, we're going to bring up our first historian, Chris. You're going to kick off round one. Oh, uh, but first we've got to have round one, and that's we right. can't have a round one without a round tracker, right, Adam? Oh, that's so true. Let me bring in the round tracker 9000. There she is. There it is. Perfect. All right. You will watch us proceed through the rounds with the round tracker. And of course, we're going to officially kick off the round one with our round one intro, Adam. Here we go. There it is. That's a round. This is round number one. Chris, we want to hear that shocking, heartfelt story. 75 seconds on the clock. Okay, let's put him in the big square. Here we go. Here it comes. So, uh, fascination with electricity and its use in medicine dates back to the 17th century. Physicians across Europe used it in experimental treatments, but it wasn't considered viable until in 1775, Dutch veterinarian Peter Abdelgaard successfully used it to stop and then revive the heart of a chicken, proving that electricity could be used to manipulate heart rhythms. Six years later, Italian Luigi Galvani was the first to use the term animal electricity, coined after his famous experiments caused, which caused the legs of a skinned frog to kick when touched with a pair of scissors during an electric storm. The recognition of electricity in living organisms sparked intense interest around the world and led to many, many attempts to use electricity in order to revive the dead. The first description of electric shock successfully resuscitating a human was reported by Charles Kite in 1788 when a three-year-old girl who unfortunately had fallen, she was a victim of a fall, was shocked through the chest by an electric generator in London and was revived. So in 1788, that's the first time they were able to use electricity to revive a human being. Wow. 1788. That means that the defibrillator is as old as our Constitution. Wow. Uh, I want to hear some opinions here. Margaret, welcome to the show, by the way. Let's give a round of applause to Margaret for joining us. Oh, hey. She made it. She made it. Margaret, did you get a chance to hear that whole story? Uh, You're on mute right right. now, Margaret. Now we're going to get your audio to join the show. Okay, okay. You are here. Welcome to the show. What's your take, Margaret? Well, okay, I did hear the whole story, and hilariously, I'm also going to talk about electric animals today. Hmm, fascinating. Because I I think that I picked a more fascinating topic, lies. Wow. (laughs) So, okay, there could be only one animal topic. All right. (laughs) Melissa, what's your take? Yeah, interesting. Um, there's some also some similarities with my story, and uh, I you mentioned a chicken, and I'm just wondering if you're mentioning all these animals. There's a chicken. There's a frog. There's veterinary medicine. If you're just trying to ruffle some feathers here, um, that's my take right now. I have some I have some thoughts about that. Okay, oh, ruffling <laughs> hey. the feathers. Some dissent. Uh, Margaret, we're going to give you a chance to organize your notes. We're going to get uh, Mel- uh, Melissa. Uh, to go next here in round one. So, Melissa, we're going to have your 75 seconds right now. 
So do you ever wonder where the term Volt comes from? Well, it's actually going back to somebody named Alessandro Volta, who was an Italian scientist, um, and he was actually the first person to discover methane, the gas, and he did a lot of experience with that in 1776. However, he's most well known as the inventor of the first electric battery, kind of like a precursor. At the time, there was another scientist by the name of Luigi Galvani, who also was doing experiments with electricity on frog legs, as Chris mentioned. And uh, Galvani's whole idea was that animals stored the electricity. But basically, Alessandra Volta decided to take that a step further and said the animals don't actually store the electricity. He had major beef with Galvani. I'm not going to lie. So to prove his point, he made the battery, which he called a voltaic pile. And the voltaic pile came out in 1800, and it was essentially just like a stack of zinc um, and an electrolyte and then copper and just alternating back and forth and back and forth, separated by an electrolyte, which was either seawater or a sulfuric acid. And you'll learn more about how this made him famous next. Mm. It's a story about batteries. <laughs> but one Italian thought that animals were the real battery. What, mm. what do you think, uh, Chris? Well, uh, I think her, her story of the voltaic pile Sounds like a pile of something else. Um, oh, um, uh, and and uh, you know and and why bring up the guy's bad habits? He's the first to do meth. Let's not go there. Let's just talk hey. about his, sci his scientific research. Oh. I don't know if that's what she said, but okay. Um, Margaret, what do you think? Again, even closer to the story that I have brought today. Wow. <laughs> even closer and. Oh. For that, I'm saying lies. Oh, <laughs> wow. For that. Well, we've heard the lie version of your uh, topic, Margaret. So let's hear your so-called true version Thank right you now. Much. Thank right, you very much. Let's bring her up to the middle of the square and you're on stage. Take it away. Okay. So how did we even know that any of these fish, rays, eels, whatever had electricity? Go back to ancient Egypt. His name is. Nope, didn't write that down. Oh, starts with an A. His name is starts with an A, and he okay. stepped on a specific ray that uh, lives in the Nile. It shocked him, and his gout pain went away. So the first uh, instance of using electricity to help with an illness was a ray called a torpedo uh in the nile that was then put in hieroglyphics on some other dude's tomb so uh it's all the way back to ancient egypt then we go to ancient rome right we've got hippocrates his damn self has oh. written about uh being able to use nile catfish or uh torpedoes once again I guess is a kind of ray fish uh, to be able to cure depression, epilepsy, gout. Once again, uh, we could. I've got more about this. Trust me. <laughs> okay, we'll find out how much we should trust you. But we're, I want to hear from and Chris. How, how much do you believe <laughs> any of these tales from uh, ancient Egypt? Well, yes, uh, you know, we've all heard the, the stories end and end on end 
uh, about a ancient Egyptian, no named ancient Egyptian. Uh, so you know that therefore has to be definitely true. Um, and then uh, and then she mentions Hippocrates. How could you argue <clears throat> with Hippocrates? Um, you know uh, he he uh, has that oath and all that stuff. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm waiting to hear more because I find holes in both of their stories. Oh. Melissa, mm-hmm. what do you think? Mm-hmm. We're we're more more stuff about animals and their electricity. Mm-hmm. I know there, there's like a theme here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I gotta say, I feel like if I don't call her out, we'd be in denial here of something ah. here. <laughs> now, I'm wondering too if Hippocrates is—is is this where we get the whole word like hypocrite from? Yeah. Wait, no. Yeah. just a little tell uh okay fun fact i would have never chosen anything to do with animals had i known melissa was going to be on this show we spent our (laughs) entire childhood categorizing animals together in different ways lizards (laughs) lions oh yeah 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 okay there's a history here. Get it? <laughs> there is. There is a history here. All right. Well, you know what? Round one is history, Adam. Whoa. Are you serious? Let's look at that beautiful round tracker. You're right, Alan. It's full. It's full. That means we need another intro. Let's do it. Let's go to round number two. Here round are, number Alan. two, where We're the here. points are doubled, doubled mm. from zero. How about that? Historian That's twice zero. Yes, historian number two, Melissa, we're going to give you the opportunity. You're going to use a minute of time to describe more information about these battery theories that Alessandro or Luigi have. Oh, hey, Alan, don't forget, we, we may have some watchers on the Internet. This is a live show, and people who are watching can use the comments to make their own accusations for who they think is bluffing of our three historians. That's right. Oh, so. hey, someone's... Someone's bothering me with spam. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. We, we, we get spam comments, too. Yes, nice. we got spam. All right. Well, thank you. Otherwise. Some, some spam bot thinks that our show is amazing. So that's pretty that's cool. true. All right. All right. But I digress. Anyway, Who are we going to, Alan? Say we're going again. to Melissa. Melissa's going to tell us a little it. bit more about ancient batteries. Let's hear it. Okay. So Volta invents this battery in 1800. It is so impressive that he gets called by Napoleon to show him how it works. And Napoleon is just taken by it. It's 1801 and um, he is so like enamored with this battery that he actually makes Volta a count, which is kind of interesting. Um, And the impact was definitely not lost on Napoleon because he immediately saw, hey, this is something that we could use for our advantage in battle. So they were thinking along the lines of using also Galvani's ideas of using this as a medical device, of powering a medical device. So they ended up um, basically making a bunch of them. And by 1812, it was commonplace that these voltaic piles, as they were called, were transported along with Napoleon's armies as they marched around Europe. And uh, when Napoleon launched his invasion into Russia, his medical staff also had a bunch of these batteries. And you'll find out what happens next. Hmm. A bunch of batteries, but no iPhones to charge them with. Oh, what? what? <laughs> exactly. Hey, Chris, what do you think? <sighs> I think it's an interesting technique, one that I've used before myself. 
to use Napoleon because we all know Napoleon, uh, you know, he, he had an army and empire and Napoleonic empire. They, they did a lot of stuff. Um, you could, you could, you could fit anything. a, you could fit a lot of bluffs under the umbrella of Napoleonic empire. Oh. So, um, so I made a note of that because I've used that myself in the past. Wow. I didn't Ooh. know Napoleon was a bluffing tool in this show. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> he was, the, he was one of the advisors to the Kaiser. I think. <laughs> That's true. I mean, well, he did a lot of things. He did a lot of things. He did things. Uh, Margaret, or uh, as as Linda calls you, Margie, in hey, the chat there. that's my own oh. mom. Oh, that's right. There oh, we hey. go. Hi, mommy. Thanks for trying again, Linda. Mom, did you see? Wait, uh, look who's with her. Remember Melissa? Hey. Here too. See? Say hi to Melissa. Look at this. Bringing people together. Margaret, what do you think? Okay, I uh, agree with Chris right now. I'm In fact... I, in my own research, came across Alexandra Volta and that part of the story. But that's where this tale runs out of juice. Oh. Oh. I don't think think Napoleon would uh, do that. Okay. (laughs) That's not the Napoleon we know. All right. (laughs) Taking the heat, Melissa. Oh, and uh, Linda says hi, Melissa. You got fans. Big old fans, family you know, reunion. Chris, Chris, you didn't bring your fan club, so I did you're not. kind I of did uh, striking yeah. out here. You're just yes, saying, I am. <laughs> Margaret, let's have you elaborate on whatever ancient Egypt or ancient Roman takes on uh, battery or electricity storage you've got going. Okay, I want to just talk about. Is it time? That's yeah, time. Torpedo fish. Uh, it's it's a ray, right? But it's also a fish. So we're th- we're talking like flappy. Guys, Melissa, if you'll recall, when we went to summer camp at SeaWorld, we got to pet the rays a lot. (laughs) And they actually have an internal electric structure, an organ, an electricity organ that is, get this, a bunch of stacked discs, one on top of the other. And that structure was what inspired Alexandra Volta to make his stacks of discs out of zinc. And so that is where we got our modern battery was from all of this research that was being done on this electric fish called the torpedo fish. And before that point, people were literally sticking them on their faces two or three at a time to get rid of their migraines. What? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Melissa, she called you out specifically. What do you think? Yeah, so my take is that she's bringing a lot of things for nostalgia to try to weaken the sting of a lie. (laughs) So that's what I think is happening here. Bringing in mom, uh, bringing up childhood memories. But the true, you know, electrifying truth is in there, you know? (laughs) I got to wear this. Chris, what's your take here? Well, my take is, uh, first, I want to shout out, thank you, Adri. Adri put in the comments, uh, hey, Chris, I don't want you to feel left out. So I do have Mm -hmm. someone that knows me in the audience. There we go. That's great. You've got the people. But with regards to Margaret's story, uh, you know, stacked discs on top of one on top of the other, uh, many people might know that as a spine. And uh, I don't know (laughs) that uh, this is, I think her story has no backbone. Oh, oh, what? oh no, that's uh, you get this for that one. That's... 
That's uh, all right. Well, it's uh, interesting. We've got uh, we've got two historians. We've already done here round two. I know that leaves our remaining historian with her minute to go. Uh, well, her his. What am I That's talking a, about? His all right. the only his, his historian Alan, that I we have. I have four older brothers. You can't. There's nothing you can say that make me feel worse than I was when a kid. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, <laughs> hey, Chris, you get one minute on the clock. Let's hear more. All right, so I'm going to jump this time from animals to humans, as I did at the end of the last round. And starting at the turn of the 20th century, cardiac arrest became a leading cause of death, ironically, because people were getting healthier. Wait a minute, that makes no sense, you say? Well, here's the thing. Because infectious diseases were no longer uh, the most popular, you know, most popular, most prevalent um, uh, diseases, uh, people began living long enough to develop debilitating heart disease. Yay, humanity. Uh, expanding, <laughs> on the, expanding on the animal research that had been done earlier by physicians earlier, uh, two physiologists at the University of Geneva, uh, Frenchman Jean-Louis Prevost and Italian Frederick Patelli, came together in 1899 and conducted a series of successful defibrillation experiments on dogs. Then in 1946, Soviet doctors uh, Gerbich and Yuniev discovered the first defibrillation waveform, um, and they did the first, for the first time, a closed chest defibrillation on two dogs that were successful, and this was the first time that they didn't have to cut open a chest cavity to revive a heart. Oh, okay. All right, yes. Kickstarting the hearts of oh. animals. What do you think, Melissa? Interesting. So uh, you might not know, but I actually worked in a veterinary office for a little bit. So I have some knowledge <laughs> about veterinary medicine. Mm. And there are some things you could do for the heart. So that part checks out. Um, but uh, so I'm still going back, to, though, to just kind of all of the things at the beginning of the story, throwing all of these animals in play. Um, and but I think the heart of the story, the heart of the story remains somewhat true. <laughs> okay. okay that sounds like that sounds like no an advocation for melissa <laughs> you know i just there's no sound effect for curious support amongst competitors <laughs> <laughs> well we've got uh we, we want to hear another opinion uh margaret what's your take okay so i mean this it sounds so true i'm i'm now wondering because at a certain point, our research in medical electric uh, technology, you know, diverged. And now I'm like absolutely fl flummoxed as to who could be telling the truth here. Because both of you have said things that I read that were true. And now I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, hmm? no. <laughs> who is lying? Could <laughs> hmm. be anybody. Could be anyone. Ooh, indeed, and that's the point of the show. But we will find out the truth after the end of our next round, Adam. It's going to be round number three. <laughs> round three, the final round. We will find out who is the historian and who is the history bluff. Ooh. But what we're going to do is we're going to give Margaret her first opportunity to start the round. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get a mere 30 seconds, so keep it concise, Margaret. 30? Yes, of course. 30? Oh, oh I'm sorry, not 30. 45. 45. Get a full 30, 40. 30's the penalty you, round. You, 30's the penalty round. You get bonus 15 because <laughs> I like you, Margaret. Go ahead. All right, here we go. Cool. 
So uh, instead of doing useful things in uh, the 17 and 1800s, there were a lot of medical uh, experiments that happened that did not work with electricity. Uh, we did find out that the electric fish could no longer do the thing when they were dead. Hence, electricity was then linked to life itself. And many doctors were like, oh, this limb is dead, this paralysis, that's what we'll do. We'll electrify the limb that is paralyzed with these fish and then you'll be able to break through the paralysis. That one did not work, unfortunately. That's it. Mm. Wow, interesting. Melissa, according to Margaret, we did not find a cure to paralysis. What do you think? Yeah, so like I, like Margaret hinted at, there's some things that are true in her story, but I think I keep going back to this uh, specific of the torpedo ray that you mentioned many, many, many times. So many times, it feels like a fish out of water uh, hey. in a way. So there we go. My that's the one that deserves a sad trombone. <laughs> 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 so, I just, yeah. I, we try, so I we try we'll here in the tech. See. We'll see <laughs> what happens. We only get so many slide trombone uses per show, Chris. But speaking yeah. of Chris, we want to hear your opinion here. Well, uh, I think it's very interesting that... Um, she built up, as Melissa said, Margaret did a great job of building up this whole uh, anthology of medical experimentation going on with specifically with this torpedo fish, electric torpedo fish, uh, electric eels and all sort of stuff. Um, and then and then uh, very conveniently says, well, they also had a lot of failed experiments. And, you know, as a result, this, this basically led to a medical research electric slide and that we're not doing that anymore. Uh, I don't think that that's holding a lot of water in my boat, uh, but I'm going to wait to see what Melissa said before I determine which of them I think is bluffing. All right, you gave Adam a nervous breakdown with all those puns. He didn't have the time to react to all of them. So None. He, he had to stack the rim shots till the end of the story and just deliver all of them at the end. Okay. Well, anyway, Chris, we're going to keep you up there on the screen because I think we want to hear your third round resolution of the history of the defibrillator. All right. So we move forward to 1965 and Irish cardiologist Frank Pantridge developed a 150 pound portable defibrillator for use in Belfast ambulances. It was powered by car batteries, but obviously it was way too heavy to be that the, that portable. Uh, so he developed an improved version that weighed less than seven pounds. It was mis uh, in, that was about 1968, and it was powered by a miniature uh, capacitator designed by uh, NASA. And uh, this small lightweight device uh, was considered the true first portable ED uh, AED on account of its size and its power. Um, and and his designs were adopted around the world. Um, and today, more than 3,500 Americans each year are saved by portable defibrillators because of that chicken in 1700. What? How? Look at that. Uh, the birth chicken. of our country, the birth of defibrillators. That's a fascinating history, if it's true. Oh. Melissa, what do you think? Interesting. So 1965, 150 pounds. Managed to lose... What is that? 143 pounds of weight in three years? That seems like a fib. <laughs> 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 she reached for that pun. 
just outside of her grip. Uh, Margaret, what, what's, what do you think? Okay. I, I also got stuck on the weight thing. I mean, a fish is what, two pounds? Bring the fish. Slap <laughs> it on there. Zap it up. You don't need, you don't need all these ba- batteries. And yeah. what's and you know what? You're giving the you're making the chicken cross the road before my fish, and that's unfair. Fish first. Okay. Well, fish well. flop. Chickens walk. Oh. Wow. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. This, they do. Where's my I, chicken when I need it? I don't. <laughs> I know, didn't prepare a chicken sound. I want to talk to some of these EMTs, see what their take is on live aquatic fish in their ambulances. <laughs> uh, let's check that amazing. round tracker. We've only got one person left, Adam. Who who yep. haven't we heard from yet? Is it Margaret? Uh, I've lost it's track. Melissa. Okay, it's Melissa. Melissa. Thank you, we Melissa. Okay. All right, Melissa, go. we're gonna hear you wrap up your take on the battery right now. So it's 1812. Napoleon is invading Russia with a bunch of these voltaic piles or batteries. And what happened next gave a whole new meaning to the word battery fire, because what he didn't count on were these batteries corroding with the weather in Russia and coming into contact with flammable wood and wool and things like that. So it ended up causing a massive problem. It decimated the French supplies and uh, the Grand Army was not able to retreat quite as quickly because of these voltaic batteries. And as we all know, this defeat ended up paving the way for Napoleon to get exiled to Elba. One quote says, from a French soldier, men are dying of hunger, the cold is extreme, and the battery commander has lost control of the battery. Mm. <laughs> nice. I didn't find out why they brought batteries. For the medical, for the medicine. I said it in part two. Oh, sorry. Okay. I guess they <laughs> had their own defibrillators. They had their own defibrillators in, in Napoleon's time. Chris, what do you think? Well, I think if they had just uh, channeled, future channeled Dr. Frank Partridge, they could have reduced the size of those down to seven pounds. He went mm. back, he went on the keto diet, went from 150 to seven. Um, and, uh, you know, and they would have been fine. But excuse me, I think uh, he was invading Russia in 1812. Um, that sounds an awful lot like timing, timing of another war that we all know. Uh, so I'm not sure about the timing of Russia and, and Napoleon going to war. And when he was exiled to Alba. Okay. I'm not sure. Margaret, what do you think? You know, it might be true. It might not be true. But <laughs> once again, if they had just had barrels of fish instead of stacks of zinc corroding, <laughs> I mean, I think I just, if I was in charge, if I was Napoleon, I wouldn't have gotten exiled. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Interesting. Well, that's all that three of our snack. historians, Adam. They that all is. had a shot. Uh, let's take that. Well, let's take, there it is. They all had a chance. They yeah. told their stories. Now I want to hear some opinions. Oh, Chris, yeah. you're one of our historians. I am. Who do you think is telling the truth and who do you think is bluffing? Oh, this is one of the tougher ones um, on all of these shows that we've done. I don't know that I've had a tougher choice of trying to figure out which one of them is bluffing because I know it's not mm. me. Uh, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> uh, I man, let's see. You know, Melissa had some good facts in there, but also some holes in her story. And Margaret also had some good uh, good thesis there. Um, but uh, on the on the whole of it, um, I'm just gonna throw a dart at the wall. I'm gonna say I think Margaret is the bluff. 
Wow. Okay, Margaret, you've been accused by Chris. Chris uh, does not think that Melissa made up the story about the defibrillator and Napoleon's army. Margaret, mm. what do you think? I'm shocked. Oh. oh. <laughs> Don't expect um, a reaction from Adam every time you make a pun. That's just right. so yeah. you know. I am not to be used. <laughs> Margaret, who is who's telling mom, the truth? My main, my main supporter. Oh, um, mom knows when you're lying, Margaret. Okay. Margaret, I, who, who do you think? No, yeah, of course I think not. I'm telling the truth. And <laughs> there's a lot of names and dates in Chris's story, which, you know, could be an elaborate lie or could be, you know, he wrote all those down <laughs> in a truthful manner. So I don't believe in chickens and <laughs> I don't believe in Napoleon. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, dart at the wall, Melissa's lying. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Look at that. All right. Melissa, wow. do you feel betrayed by your old childhood friend? Or... I do a little bit. I feel like, <laughs> a, what, a, what a charge to lay against me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Adam's head wow. just exploded right there. <laughs> <laughs> it did. What? Latent, latent rim There shot. it is. Okay, um, well, here's where I stand. I think this one's a tough one because on one hand, Margaret seems a little fishy with mm -hmm. all the, like, ref just kind of, like, gaslighting fish into every situation of, <laughs> like, oh, a fish could solve it. <laughs> then maybe, maybe fish don't solve everything. I don't know. Um, but also, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Also, but the science holds up with talking about how it works. And then with Chris, I, I don't know. It doesn't really, it's a tough egg to crack with that one with the chicken. And <laughs> because of that, because of honestly, the, the chicken along with the, uh, the weight change, I don't know why, but that really sticks out to me. I think Chris oh, is wow. like, oh, wow. okay, wow. This looks like a three-way tie here. Oh, well, we have some tiebreakers, believe it or not. Oh, yes. Let's oh. hear some audience members. Uh, Adri says it's Margaret. Oh. And Linda says probably oh. Margaret. Oh. Mom. Probably <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> She's not sold on your lying, wow. Margaret. So maybe that's a good sign because... <laughs> You know she knows when you're lying. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, uh -huh. Chris, you said it was Margaret. Melissa said it was Chris. And Margaret said it was Melissa. Am I right? Wow. Yeah. That's, what we said. That's an accusation for each. Someone somewhere has chosen the actual bluff. And mm -hmm. I want to hear who is right, Tech Adam. All right, Alan. With you off of our virtual stage, I'm going to line up our bluffers in the bluff holes, and I'm going to find out, because only I know, was your bluff Chris? Was your bluff Melissa? Or was the bluff Margaret? Prepare yourselves for the great reveal. Your bluffer, this whole time, it was Melissa. Oh! That means... Margaret called her out. She's, that's, she's uh, that's the right. only one. That's Margaret, right. you win. I'm a winner. She gets <laughs> sole credit for calling out the bluff. Oh, Melissa yeah. made up the story about yep. uh, Volta and Luigi. Well, tell us what you Volta's made up, real. Melissa. 
Okay, Volta so the first real. part was totally real. So right. Galvani, Volta, all of those people are real. What was not real was um, even though there was a small connection to Napoleon, Napoleon definitely didn't go that far as to put Voltaic piles and batteries <laughs> on the battle lines. Um, uh, but he was impressed. There's like, a, he showed him and he was like, little clap, you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Okay. Well yeah. done, Margaret. Yeah. And your yeah. own mom didn't believe you, Margaret. <laughs> That's okay, that. mom. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, we have a we have a latent vote for Chris yes. as Chris, well. So uh, you were called out by Laura. <laughs> you were. Laura didn't believe you, Chris. But you know, Chris, you were telling the truth about the defibrillator. That was all true. Uh, I'm surprised that you didn't know that Napoleon never used a bunch of defibrillators in 1812 if all the people on the panel should have known that that was completely made up even i was like why would he do such a thing that's dumb napoleon yeah well it wasn't it wasn't portrayed as defibrillators i don't think i didn't catch that it was for the medical equipment what she's gonna electrify the the dope like what's what's she doing for the all the gouts in her soldiers right all those batteries <laughs> wow okay wow. Well, you got a, you got kudos on the audience melissa good job with the bluff well done everyone it was well done all so. right well i'm done so adam go ahead and take us out that's right i want to thank you thank you alan so much for hosting the show chris margaret and melissa thank you for being historians for our audience remember tune in subscribe and follow us on twitch and youtube to catch the live streams and don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram and other social media. We are History Bluffs, and every week we're here to give you some history and a little bit of bluffing. Tune in next week. See you then.